Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Snapshot, episode 44. I'm Brennan Patrick, joined always by Marvel Snap Phenom, Cam Best. Cam, we talked a little bit before we hopped on the pod. I wanted to get your initial thoughts on the nerfs, and you said, thank effing God. And I did. Can't help but agree. Can't help but agree. Yeah. Um, one of the things that is weird to me as a content creator is I will often get people saying like, oh, you're just crying and whining for nerfs, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think about is like, I don't know if that's a fully expressed belief because I think maybe what what they're really getting at is you crying and whining for nerfs allows second dinner to nerf the cards that I paid for and then release newer, better cards and milk me out of my money. And I think that is kind of what people are getting at when they say that, but... I'm not sure, you know, it's obviously not like a fully realized ideology or anything, but it's something that I think about whenever I think about nerfs to stuff like this, because to someone like me, this these are obviously good nerfs, right? Elsa Bloodstone was obviously too strong. Loki was obviously too strong. These are very easy nerfs to make. They're still probably good, right? But just making them not obviously the most broken shit ever. That's an important thing to do. And I think that it's good that that happened because from my perspective as someone who plays a bunch of games that's very good but if you're someone who was like all right i want to buy the best deck you buy the best deck i just like if you're doing that you you no longer feel safe right Mm -hmm. they have demonstrated a continued willingness to nerf the best deck every single time like if you and to keep up does seem like it requires a, a a lot of churn, right? Like Mm. if you bought into Loki on the battle pass, right? And you picked up Snowguard and you picked up Elsa and you picked up Legion because that's what we played. And then Legion left the deck and now we're not playing Legion and now we're playing, you know, Mobius. You had to pick up Mobius too. That's kind of just a lot to keep up with, isn't it? Like that's just in the last two months. And so I, I, I feel like, I feel like there's, Maybe some diminishing returns on this, but I do think they've learned some valuable lessons where it's like the number one valuable lesson is your small cards in this game are too strong and they invalidate the big cards, right? That's that was the number one lesson because like we talk about like when Legion is good and when Legion isn't good and that's sort of a canary in the coal mine for mid range being playable and mid range being unplayable because when Legion is good, it's like, oh, that's a five seven. It's not embarrassing. And when Legion is bad, it's like, why the fuck are you playing a five seven? You could be playing a five fourteen. And that is that is the sort of situation that we find ourselves in where it's like when you're in these situations where your small cards are just better than the big ones. That is an issue that is deleterious to overall game state. And so it was good that they fixed it. And I hope they learn from it. But I don't know how many more cycles of this is the best deck and then some shit gets nerfed. We can go through because there have been best decks that I did not think need to get nerfed. Right. Uh, The move deck didn't need to get nerfed. The brood deck, maybe like I kind of liked it more than most other really good players, but like these are decks that didn't necessarily need to get nerfed, but they you could take like one power off kind of thing, right? Elsa and Loki needed to be fundamentally changed. Like Elsa and Loki, and they did get fundamentally changed. Like they're the dynamics of playing them are very different and they're still very powerful cards. And that is, I think the issue is that it's been two months in a row of this insane churn because the cards they release are so damn strong 
And yeah. I almost I almost want them to have a Dakin season so we can just fucking chill. Because when you think about it, Dakin season was the last time we had like a really solid rotating meta, right? Well, I mean, one redeeming quality is I think that the current best deck or the new best deck is is an old deck. It was a deck that was the best deck previously. So if you bought into that, it sort of came back around. But I do agree with you that there is a there is a level of fatigue that the yeah. customer or player probably feels. I want to jump forward in a section because I think it's relevant right now to our bend and snap. We had a ton of uh, comments on last week's video. Oh, so shout Let's out to all people. But this dude, this one comes from an unsought thought and they say, all right, you convinced me to break my free to play streak after a year and buy Elsa Bloodstone. And just 07 to that, uh, to unsought thought because she was immediately nerfed oh. right after that. <laughs> God, the horror. <laughs> Uh, um, I think that they, they, they this, yeah. this, this is my apocalypse now, man. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. So um, there was this a little is bit, my own God. There was more to that post, and I think they ultimately said like, even if she went down to plus two, she's still good. But I just I read that first sentence as I was as I was compiling for this uh, this week's podcast, and I was like, damn, <laughs> feel that. Um, so yeah, I mean, they can probably speak to what it's like to uh, what that churn feels like immediately. It just feels so. It just yeah. Like I like I, I need them to release a just a month of cards that is not the fucking game breaking shit that we've had. Like we we like it's been a while since it's been this bad yeah. or this long in terms of card releases. I mean, I'll tell you, Cam. I I just I just finished reading a post before you hopped on today about uh Magic Pro Tour champion David Rude was talking about why he was leaving Fab and why uh, the store in Canada was uh, not not continuing to stock it anymore, and it, it really came down to. Um, the sets not having impact and not having value. And a lot of that comes to balance. And but and my ultimate point here is that I do think uh, it would be nice to maybe pump the brakes a bit. But ultimately, um, releasing cards that are not impactful and not exciting is way more toxic for the game than releasing cards that are a little bit too powerful and force players to keep up. So it, it's such a fine it's balance. It's not, though. Like, it's, it is a fine balance, but, like, they've hit it before, right? Mm -hmm. X-23 is the perfect card she's perfect but the issue comes when they like they're they're amazing at making cards to make niche archetypes better they're so good at it x23 modok dakin nebula fuck hit it out of the park the issue is when they make a card that is universally applicable they push it too far that's true. Yeah, because those That's are what those happens, are more right. Those are more archetypical cards where Loki yes. is just it. Loki when they make a card that either creates a new archetype mm -hmm. or just like they, it's always too far. Right? It's always too far. Yeah. Zabu, Surfer, Loki, Elsa, Hit Monkey. It's always, 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 always too far. Yeah, and those cards like they don't need so they. Cr it looks like they create new archetypes, but really a lot of these cards that become too powerful in this game, they actually just break the fundamental tenets of what card games. And these are recurring themes that break card games, uh, you know, whether we're playing Marvel Snap, Magic, etc., which is cost reduction. Um, and in the case of Elsa Bloodstone, I mean, that was that was just the case of a, the, the power being pushed a little bit too much, but consistently. Number see, too big. Yeah, number too big on that one. But also just cost reductive cards of we've seen now Marvel Snap as the game has uh, started to mature that that is a very powerful thing to do in this game. And Loki, did it create its own archetype? It's like, yeah, debatably so, but also just 
Yes. It, it took a rule of card game design and bent it a little bit, which is exciting. It's fun. It's new. But uh, yeah, I mean, we will probably consistently find ourselves in that situation because it's such a hard thing to balance. Like if you're if you're taking a hand of six cards, which you were often doing with yeah. Loki with the supporting cards, you're reducing it by one and it happens your opponent has the same cards, but they are plus one cost. It's like, that's pretty good. Um yeah, it's 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 a fine balance. You're right that when they have released those cards that have existed in certain archetypes, whether it be the destroy um, or whatever, they've kind of they've hit they've hit pretty well. I will say they I, hit so well. Like like think about it. Think, like, go back. Like think about every card they've made for destroy. Dakin, X twenty three, Null, and Lady Deathstrike, all hits. They had to buff Lady Deathstrike by one power, but all hits. These are all cards that you can play in the deck. Absolute hits, right? And like, yeah, sometimes they get a little bit low when they make those archetype specific cards, stuff like Silver Samurai, like Silver Sam had to be low powered because he's a very annoying effect. I get it. But like they are good at it, like they are good at nailing it when they understand the kind of deck it's going to go into. And -hmm. one of the things they mentioned in the nerfs was, uh, you know, they are they did not expect Loki decks to be built as aggressively as they were. Right. And it's like, you know, I get it. Right. Because like our original Loki decks kind of sucked. And then after like two days, it became very clear how to win the, those those matchups. And it was just like, oh, you guys just missed. Like what I mean by that is I think they missed on the Angela thing. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I like. I think they missed on. I think they were playing it in like a dino style deck. And I think they missed on how it was actually built in real life with the Angela Kitty stuff, right? Angela, Kitty, Snowguard, all of that. That is, I, I think, kind of why, like, you could sort of see that through line there. Again, it's it's literally just a guess. But when they talk about how they weren't built as aggressively and then they nerf Angela too, I kind of think that that is probably what they were talking about. Yeah, I would say that while I I, I definitely don't disagree with you, I would still maintain my point where I, I think that they should err on the side of cards that are higher in power level, tweaking them down. I just don't know how. I mean, I, no, I think they should too. But like, what, how long was it t- for us to find out that Loki was broken? Uh, I mean, that one sat for a while. 20, yeah. It was less than 24 hours, right? Yeah. And it, it, Like, it, we were like, oh, this is the most fucked up thing in the entire game. This is insane. And like, they still put, put it at that. And it's just like, why? Why was it a 3-5? Like, the, how, even if your deck wasn't built aggressively, it was like very obviously the strongest thing you could possibly be doing. It was like, what the fuck are we talking about here? So do you, do you think it's do you think it's harder for the, on the player and the consumer when it's nerfed quickly or when they kind of have this bit of a long tail where they leave it really powerful for two to three weeks and maybe people There's like no good solution and people like un, an unsought thought finally buy in after two weeks where they're like well shit this is just Marvel Snap now I need this card and then it gets nerfed they there is no good solution right this is a problem with no actual solution other than release the cards better balanced but mm-hmm. like. When you like these are not things that I think were hard to see coming if you could play with the card, right? Mm. You didn't play with Loki at all. And you were like, that's insane, right? You didn't even play with that. And I I, I do think that it's the kind of thing that like. Without without getting putting too fine a point on it, um, one of the things that magic does is bring in like pro players yeah. to test stuff. Second dinner, hire me. I love money. <laughs> I love it. I'm a huge fan of money. Uh, like, I, I just, I would do it. 
I would totally do that. I would totally, totally do that. And I just feel like I don't even you don't even need to bring in pros. Just bring in like. Because I, I got to imagine they're a small team, right? I don't think they have a pl- like a play a, testing team, right? Yeah, I just don't think they have that. It's right? just it's a different and model they, than Magic, right? They're, so in, ma- in something like yeah. Magic, like a paper card game, they would they will reap those mistakes like for a very long time, debatab- Forever, debatably yeah. in perpetuity, right? Where something like yep. Snap, they can go, mm, you know, maybe we just kind of forego that process. We use our best judgment and then we release it. And if the data shows that it's overpowered, we kind of tweak it back. I think that's why you don't see that. I'm assuming, right? We don't know if there is a playtest team already in place, maybe a small one, but it seems yeah. like it is that it does not exist, right? It seems, seems like currently it does not exist. I would, I would argue with the current card pool and with, but the, how fast the uh, the top players tend to figure out the decks that, you know, if they did have a team like that and they said, hey, come break our game with each new card release, yes, it would probably result in better balanced cards being put to market right. initially. But, like, like, I, mm. I, like they're, but like these cards are like, they're, they were so pushed that I don't understand how even like just looking at them. I can understand missing on Loki. Mm-hmm. I missed on Loki, right? That makes sense to me. But when you look at Elsa and you're just like, oh, that's a 214. I just don't know how that gets past you. You know what I mean? Like that one, that one is a mistake that it's just like, oh, this card's a 214. And then everyone who looks at the card is like, oh yeah, that, that card's a 214. And then the card comes out and it's a 214. Yeah. And then you're like, how could this have happened? Like Silver Surfer with the plus three. It's like, oh, what's the floor on this? Yeah. A 312? Uh, okay, let's go look at yeah. what are the three costs do. They're three fives with downsides. It's like easy slide. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, well, yeah. So, what do you say to the the ultra cynical listener that's like, "All right, Cam and Brennan, the reason that these things come out so powerful is obviously so that they can sell season passes." How much credence do you get to that argument? Um, I mean, I think that's undeniably true. I don't think they try to release broken yeah. cards, but they try to release good ones, right? Like, like especially when you talk about the season pass, I think they've like explicitly said like, yeah, our goal when we make these season pass cards is for them to be good. We don't want you to be spending 10 bucks on some shit that sucks. And for the most part, I kind of like when you go back through every season pass, I kind of think they nail it, right? Like obviously these two accepted Sabu Surfer accepted, but Mm -hmm. they are all getting fixed, right? And they all get fixed into a state of Still very good is the thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like these cards get obliterated. They just go from best card in the game to not best card in the game, right? And that like that's I think important is that they've shown a willingness not just to nerf the ones that are too too strong, but to buff the ones that are too weak. Phoenix Force, for example, Mm -hmm. like they want to make sure that this stuff is balanced and their misses on both ends. Like, I think they're doing the best they possibly can with that, which is to say they are willing to say, look, the card we you paid $10 for is too fucked up. It's nerfed now. I'm sorry. Yeah. They're willing to do that. And that's better than the alternative, right? Because the alternative is just heinous. My, uh, my theory is that they understand how magic does this playtesting process, how it does this de- development cycle of, of new cards. Cause obviously Glenn worked in that process. Glenn is the principal game yep. designer of Marvel snap. And my theory is that they are, they are comfortable with releasing cards that are too powerful. And Glenn talked about in this podcast that we, we would rather release them too powerful and tweak them down than, than the opposite of that. And I think that in, in, 
instead of having a robust playtesting process, you know, maybe at the tail end of development of a card, they are happy to release it, then look at the data, then tweak it. But I do think we've come into some of these situations where there have been cards that are overwhelmingly powerful. Like just, I mean, Elsa, just quantitatively, you can look at it. It's way more powerful than every other two job you can be playing. And they've kind of lingered for a bit. Like Loki definitely lingered. It was like mm, this this deck is really. I don't know really good. what I don't know what the fuck well, the Loki the, thing the is. Data, I can only maybe the data the Loki thing is just the data for bad players was bad. Yeah. Like I like it was just so far and away the best deck the entire time it was out. And it still might be. <laughs> like it's like I it is it is still so scary to like the oh my god. Quinjet is back. It's mm-hmm. fucking horrifying. Like, there's so much going on, man. It's mm-hmm. super tough. And like, yeah, I, I I think the other thing is when you have a card like Loki and a card like Elsa, the downside of having those insanely dominant cards is they kind of overshadow any other release that you make unless that card goes into Loki or Elsa. And so it's like, like Nico Minoru is a really exciting card. But there wasn't anything to say about her other than, well, she goes in Thanos because Elsa is in there and she goes in your lo- your Elsa deck so you can get two Elsas. Fucking go go nuts, dude. And it's like that 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 feels like it does a disservice to her. Mm-hmm. And now that she's no longer the get to Elsa bot, you can actually see people exploring what she's actually capable of. And I feel like there's a lot of things like that where it's like it's not just that the one dominant card is an issue on balance. It's an issue in terms of convincing people to do anything else. It's, it's hard to do unless you keep releasing cards on that level. And I do worry that like, there's a situation where like they just keep releasing good cards and then nerfing them down and then releasing good cards and then nerfing them down. And it's like right now, I feel like we're back in a meta that I kind of understand. Thanos is good. Dark Hawk is good. The stuff that beats Dark Hawk by like going for uh blanking Shang and Enchantress and Rogue is good, right? Like that's, That I understand, right? But I'm kind of still waiting, like, all right, at some point someone's gonna figure out a Loki list that just beats everything, aren't they? Right? Like that's I'm kinda I'm kinda still thinking about like, all right, at some point someone's gonna figure that out and it's gonna just whip everyone's ass. And that's super worrying, I think. It's not my favorite thing to 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 think about. But yeah, I I'm a little I'm a little apprehensive of the churn. Basically, I'm a little apprehensive of the churn where I just don't want this to keep happening. I was going to say you were talking about Thanos talking about Dark Horse. Good. It's at this point, it's good old boomer Marvel snap, I guess, at this this point. That's what it is. I'd be interested to hear for people listening to this that maybe do engage with uh, with the game on a more casual level. Like, have you felt that pain point? Have you felt that tension? Or are you happy with the adjustments? I'm particularly interested in people that, you know, maybe like an unsought thought, uh, the person who commented on last yeah. week's video. Like, when if you've gotten to the point where maybe you were hesitant about buying a card and stayed powerful for a, you know, an amount of time that you eventually caved, bought that card, and it was immediately nerfed, immediately nerfed. I want to know if that process was... Uh, 
I don't know. Did it did it hurt your confidence in the game? Was it was it a bad sort of bad experience overall? Because that that happens, right? These cards they stay powerful, and like you you're gonna come to a point where you're just like, okay, I gotta buy this card. This is Marvel Snap. Marvel Snap is Elsa Bloodstone right now. I have to buy that card because maybe it will be forever. Maybe Elsa Bloodstone is is mm-hmm. the math check of every single deck, and you buy it and it's nerfed. I mean, the good thing is Elsa's still playable. Anyway, let's talk about. These OTAs because we don't live in the world that we lived in last week, that's for sure. Nope. Um, we have Elsa Bloodstone. Elsa Bloodstone was a 2-2, and it says, if you play another card uh, to fill a location, give it plus 3 power. It has been changed to plus 2 power instead. Um, so significant nerf. We've talked about this nerf for weeks on the podcast. We talked about sort of the the tension we felt between 2 and 3 power. You know, maybe the perfect spot would have been 2.5, but looks like 2 uh, it kind of feels like two is powerful enough, to be honest. So maybe we were overshooting. Uh, the next big one is Loki. So Loki was a 3-5. And it said, on reveal, replace your hand with cards um, from your opponent's starting deck. Give them minus one cost. It was a 3-5. Now, now it is a 4-5. So that's a pretty significant change um, because he comes down an entire turn later, theoretically. Yeah. Um, I just want to – we talked about it already, obviously, in the intro to this podcast, but I want to get your sort of – your take on the Elsa and Loki nerf, just like in its totality, how much did it change the landscape of what is like Marvel Snap? So, a lot, but I actually think the Angela nerf was a more impactful nerf to Elsa and Loki decks. Okay. I can read that one out real quick just before you – Okay. So Angela was a 2-0, uh, the Angela we know and love. And it said, after you play a card here, get a pl- give it plus 2 power. Now it's a 2-2, two, two, uh, buff on power. But it says, after you play a card here, give it plus 1 power. Go ahead, Cam. So Angela was your best card with Elsa because she stacked up while you stacked up a kitty so you could put it in multiple lanes. She was obviously insane with uh, Jeff and Kitty, like just completely bonkers in the deck. And... Very often, like it's very hard. Like we talk about Elsa being a 214, Angela is like a 210 a lot of the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's very, very close to being Elsa good. And having that as your like, you know, complementary plan is insane, right? Like when they talk about how their Loki decks weren't built aggressively enough, I'm guessing that's what they were missing on. And I think that when you take away that option, you take away a significant amount of the power of the deck because the deck is all about building up these small units, right? That's why so many of the ways that people were like, all right, how I'm going to beat Loki is uh, Shadow King. You Shadow King the Angela, right? Like, because they're going to try to keep it under Shang ability. You know, you Shadow King it. You go like Invisible Woman, Killmonger, stuff like that. Like, that's how you beat it. And now the Angela, like, I got to be honest, I don't even know if Angela is good (laughs) in the deck anymore. I kind of don't think she is. Now, the collector coming back does help a lot because now you have the collector in there instead. But collector doesn't have the same synergy with Elsa that Angela did. Right. You can't do both at the same time. The thing that collector does is win one lane on its own, which is cool. But Angela goes with Elsa because what you're doing with Angela is the same thing that you're doing with Elsa, which is filling up a lane with stuff that moves out of the lane. Same thing. Exact same thing. So there's so much more overlap there than there is with collector. And that is the real uh, issue that Loki decks now have, which is without Angela, they're very, they're a lot lighter mm-hmm. power wise in, and synergy wise. And it's, 
sort of, I'm not saying they're like that much worse, but they're so much less fluid is how I would describe it. They're a lot less like their their free wins were always like uh, one drop, Angela, Elsa, Kitty. Mm-hmm. GG like I'm just I'm making the biggest Angela I'm doing the biggest kitty unless you have specific tech for this matchup you're dead right and without that happening now you're it's a little weird it's a little bit of a weirder and harder deck to play and I I do kind of expect it to eventually figure itself out but the right build I don't think has been found yet and I am definitely you know I I, I think losing Angela the deck probably could have survived if they didn't do that, is what I'm saying. If they didn't nerf Angela, I would be playing the same 12. Yeah. But they did, and now I think it's very up in the air, right? Like, if they didn't nerf Angela, yeah, I'm doing the exact same shit I was doing before. Mm-hmm. But they did. And now, now I don't know if I'm doing the exact same shit I was doing before. I don't know if I need power from elsewhere. I don't know if I need to keep hybridizing. I don't know how to build the deck exactly. I don't know if I need Quinjet again because we're more of a Loki deck. What if we go back to the old Loki decks like Sentinel and shit? I don't know. I just don't know. And that is a testament to just how powerful Angela is. Mm. That she is the thing that pushed that over, I think. I think Angela is what made that happen. How significant is, uh, and just to clarify real quick for people listening, the collector uh, was previously a 2-0, was buffed back up to a 2-2. Um, that, that's sort of the change that happened there. But how how significant is it with Loki coming down on turn 4 rather than turn 3? Because that drastically changes the amount, like potentially the amount of cost reduction you can get from his ability, theoretically. Because that, it, it's, a, you know, in a 6-turn game, it's a significant delay. Even if you're dropping Loki on a later turn, uh, it's still a big cost to eat. How do you feel about that 3-4 to four change specifically? Don't I don't care. Interesting. Like, it only matters in as much as it makes him an inefficient body as opposed to a very efficient body. Okay. Right? Yeah. That it, the, the cost-power ratio is what matters there. Like, not... Not me playing him on turn four. I don't I don't I don't care. There are some matchups where that's not good, but like for the most part, it's not a big change to his power. What the change to his power is, is that he's now inefficient instead of extremely efficient. Okay, so if it's all about power to uh, cost ratio, what would would they've had the same effect by making Loki like a three two or a three three? Would that have had the same effect? Because that would also be sort of I, I personally think so. Yeah, you make him a three two. Yeah, I would probably do the same as making him a four or five. I think so. Like uh, making him a four or five, like obviously it makes him less flexible, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think if you made him a three two, yeah, that would be a similar power. I would say. All right. Well, let's talk about these other cards that were a part of this OTA. So there's Sauron, uh, which is a three three. It says on reveal, remove the abilities from all ongoing cards in your hand and deck. Um, it is now a three two. So a little bit of a nerf there. I mean, this was played in the Shuri deck. Um, the next one is Uatu. <laughs> Uatu, sort of the the champion of Marvel Snap here, was a one one. Sent at the start of your at the start of the game, um, show the the right uh, the right location to you. That was a recent change too, and it's uh, now one two instead of a one one. Another one is Hellcat. Hold on, can I stop you? Can I stop you on Uatu? Yeah. There's something that was just very funny to me, which is when they first released it, they were like, we want to make sure this isn't too strong. And last <laughs> time I checked yeah. on the on the on the uh, snap fan stats, Uatu was the second worst card in the game as a one one. It was like, we just want to make sure this isn't too strong. It had like a 35 percent in deck win rate. Yeah, <laughs> like, they're happy to release. Like... They're happy to release a two fourteen, but they're like, well, pump the brakes on a one two. Hold pump on, the on br- this fucking Uatu, dude. <laughs> 
Pump the brakes there, Chief. We can't be having... <gasps> Whoa, we can't power creep Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ne next up is Hell Hellcow. Hellcow is a 4-6. On reveal, discard two cards from your hand. Now it's a 4-8. Um, I mean, that's a pretty significant buff. And the last one, we'll get into the lockout. Last one is uh, Spectrum. Spectrum was a 6-5. It's now a 6-7. And it says, on reveal, give your ongoing cards plus two power. Anything to say about Hellcow and Spectrum here? Yeah, Spectrum's actually... You know Spectrum Thanos? By the time this episode comes out, I will have released a video on it. And one of the things that I want to emphasize here is how you're supposed to think about how to optimize a card, which is with Spectrum, there are like you need to think about the card and then the closest comparisons to the card, right? Mm -hmm. There are people playing Spectrum and like Darkhawk stuff, and it's like, okay, that's cool. But how often is that actually going to be better than Doctor Doom? Most of the time, it's yeah. just a Doctor Doom you did more work for, right? That's not worth it. In Thanos, it's a Doctor Doom that you can actually play. Sure. Because Thanos fills the board up and can't play Doctor Doom, right? You can't actually put normal Doctor Doom in that. Mm -hmm. But if you could play Spectrum, not only does it have synergy, it's it's like a Doctor Doom that works with your Profex, right? Yep. That's how you maximize a card, which is to say, where is this the best in slot? You have to find a use case for it, right? And sometimes that's really easy. Where is Jeff the best in slot? Probably fucking everywhere. <laughs> Where is Elsa the best in slot before the nerf? Again, probably fucking everywhere. But sometimes it's a little bit harder and you need to find a use case for the card where it's not just a bad version of something else, mm. but it's actually bringing something to the table. So to bring and, so to bring people into yeah. your thought process, would you say that the initial litmus test is something like Spectrum is you're like, okay, it's 6-7 now. I effectively need to beat – it has to be better than a 615, equal or better than a yeah. 615 because a 615 – got to be better is, than a Doom. Yes, better yeah, than a Doom. It's got to be better than a Doom. Even though Doom, like you said, you know, in the deck archetype we're potentially putting in it, Doom doesn't fit super well because they're filling up the board. You still need to probably put it through that initial filter of like, can I get – can I consistently get more power than a 615 out of this? Like, if you no. should not be playing cards that aren't good. I don't know how else to say this. Like, you should not be playing cards that are not arguably the best in slot. Like, if you're not playing cards that are the best in the in slot, you're playing a bad deck. And this goes for, like, every deck. Every deck, obviously, like, it's contextual, right? Not every deck needs to be mid-range soup. Mm -hmm. But every deck is doing something to make the cards it plays the best cards in their slot. You look at a Deadpool deck. It is entirely built around making the cards it plays the best cards in the slot. Deadpool is the biggest one drop. Null is the biggest six drop. That is what it does. That is what it does. That is the whole point of the deck, right? You look at a Darkhawk deck. We're, what 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 are we doing? We're making our Darkhawk the best four drop. Yep. That's what we're doing. Like, that's how you do things. Yeah, and that's, that's how, what are we doing in a Loki two. deck? We're making our collector the best two drop. What are we doing? Like, that's what we're doing. Yeah. And you have to think about deck building like that. That's that's filter number one. It, like Marvel Snap is such a mathy game. So there, there's multiple filters that you would go through when you evaluate a card because like let's let's go layer two, layer three on a dark hawk. Because like you're also putting rocks in your opponent's deck, you're decreasing their consistency, etc. And maybe there's other cards you can fit into your dark hawk deck that you can't fit in other decks. They're also really good. Maybe tech cards, whatever. But level one is like Marvel Snap is a game about winning locations and winning locations often or actually every single time is about having more points in your opponent. Whether how, what hoops you jump through, because Prof X, yep. you know, there's things that will break that paradigm, but you, you should evaluate cards. The first filter you should go through is 
is just evaluating it on points. Like compare it to another two drop. And that that's what we talk about when we're talking about you know, Loki, Darkhawk, Spectrum is like there are other cards that you can sort of compare to and you can draw, um, sort of draw from, whether it's Doctor Doom or <laughs> in the case of Loki, fucking Polaris, which is just hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like how do I make this broken? And sometimes the answer is it already is and you just have to put it in your deck. And sometimes you have to work for it. Uh, how do I make Loki the best the, the best three drop? Oh, wait, it already has the, the same stats as the best three drop. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Uh, anyway, all right. Let's talk about Nico Minoru. Nico Minoru is a one-two. Says on reveal after you play your. Is next that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Don't ask. I'm not the guy. We know that I'm not the guy. If anybody's not the guy, it's me when it comes to pronouncing. I thought it was Nico Minoru, but maybe I don't fucking know. Uh, I yeah. Uh, don't okay. don't 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 die on you're my not, hill. You're not that guy, yeah, pal. Not you're that, not that guy, I'm, pal. Yeah, I am not him when it comes to pronouncing these things. Let's go, Nico. One two says on reveal after you play your next card, cast a spell. A spell changes each turn. I'm gonna read these out. I'm gonna do it. It's the third week in a row we're doing it, but you guys are gonna know what these spells are. It says on <laughs> what they could be is on reveal after you play your next card, it becomes a demon. A demon is a one six. On reveal after you play your next card, destroy it and draw two cards. Very good. On reveal after you play your next card, move it one location to the right on reveal after you play your next card give it plus two power on reveal after you play your next card replace that card's location and on reveal after you play your next card add a copy of it to your hand so this is a card both you and i were pretty excited for maybe we were less excited for it in the context of the last meta but it did seem like i think we were exactly the right amount of excitement yeah it, it was and then i think we nailed it and then the nerfs came. <laughs> so now it's... No, I think we nailed it. I think, like, this is still, like, this is a good card, but it doesn't need to go in everything. Mm -hmm. She's good. I like her a lot. She's a, she's a good card. I think she... I think the better you are, the more you'll like her. But, like, fundamentally, I don't think she's the kind of card that's necessary in certain metas, mm. unless you're playing, you know, like even I like, like shit. I was playing a Thanos deck without her today. Right. Like, I do think she's amazing in Thanos and maybe I should put her in there and we'll see about that. I feel like very stupid not playing her. But like, you you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Right. Where it's like. I think she's very good in Thanos. She's unbelievable in Destroy. Yes. And that is that those are like the two things where she's like she is so good in those decks. But like I think she's solid in Loki, but not like fantastic. But like Loki can afford to play things that are like situationally good because it's a Loki deck. So you're fine with it. And I think that she is, you know, people make comparisons to Legion and she's a bit like that in that she's a toolbox card. But a lot of the tools in her box are sort of hyper specific. And so there is a bit of like, you need to get the right one at the right time with her. That said, I mean, I do think she's quite good. I just don't think she's like, there's like a tier of cards that are like, you must buy this immediately. Mm -hmm. And I don't think she approaches that tier. She's not Jeff right now, who is the headliner of that tier. I can tell you that much, right? Yeah. And I do, while I do think she's good, and I think she's easily core in something like Destroy, if you're a Destroy gamer, you should definitely pick her up. She is an incredible card in the deck. But I don't think she's, 
I think she's a little more narrow than you'd think from a card that does as much stuff mm-hmm. as she does. Yeah, the math on her is actually pretty good too. I mean, she def- she is by definition a toolbox card, but the math on her is pretty decent, even if we have to like yeah. divide that math by, I don't know, half, because three of them don't really increase your uh, quantitative equity at all. They're just very situational. That being said, like getting a demon is kind of ridiculous. I mean, that that's a two eight right there. Um, you know, plus two power is not bad. And it, <laughs> I just think it's so funny with how much mineral do like uh tangent, but a lot too is such a Timmy card in the context of like Nico and what Nico does. And when you say Timmy, do you just mean bad? I just don't understand how you can play Uatu when Nico exists. And the it's just so funny to me that a lot I just don't was- understand how you can play Uatu. <laughs> It's a end of sentence. How did they play? How did they? <laughs> how did they make it a one-one when Nico Minoru is like literally <laughs> plus two power? It's act, it's like get you a demon. It's just insane. But this this card, this is one of my favorite cards in the game, just from a design standpoint, because it really utilizes the um, like the digital medium and the kind of game Marvel Snap is, and it gives you an experience yes. that is hard to access in other games. Um, Hearthstone definitely took this to an extreme <laughs> at one point with like. You know, everything was generating random shit. Um, I know the players got a bit angry, but ultimately Nico for me is just, I love this card. I love the new deck. I love, <laughs> I love Thanos coming back. Um, it's just, yeah. it's just so cool. It's really, it's actually really fun to play with. My question to you, Cam, and this comes from the Bend and Snap. Um, I have to find it. So not your question. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I have this question as well, but this. Net Decker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this question comes from Marvelous Morg, and I think it's a really valid point. And they say, Nico is going to have a harsh learning curve for players that don't own her. That don't own her. That's tough. I never really thought about that because it has a harsh learning curve if you own her as well. So I expected more of that, honestly. Mm -hmm. With a card like Nico, I expected like, oh, there's going to be some real hidden information snaps off this card. Yeah. But. I think they did a really good job at making her stuff like good, but not snappable most of the time. Like one now that you're no longer duplicating Elsa's. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to think of like real Nico hidden info snaps like the cloning vat stuff is on the board like me, like cloning vats venom type shit, mm-hmm. right? Like that's that's like hidden info that you don't know why they're snapping. That's when I expected more of that, but it's kind of not that common. Uh, I expected more like, you know, oh my God, it's the final turn of the game and they snap me and I don't understand why they snap me. And then a demon shows up and you're like, oh, I actually lose that. That's crazy. I expected more of that, but it honestly hasn't been borne out. Yeah. I, I, I she's shockingly easy to keep track of. I know it sounds weird, but she is. She's definitely the most, she's probably the most quintessential series five card that exists in the game. Where like, if you drop this card on a newer player, they're just the player that was coming back to the game was, there's a lot of information they have to digest and however long a mobile snap turn is. It's actually hilarious. Like how many permutations they'd have to go through to try to figure out what you were doing if they had seen the card for the first time. But um, how, mm-hmm. in terms of, yeah, so in terms of power level, do you think that at this current state of recording this, which is about a week after she's come out, that we have sort of come to fruition in terms of her power level? Do you think there's still more deck building and exploring to do? There's more. I mean, we know where she's really good, mm-hmm. but we'll find out if she's like one of those universally applicable cards at some point. And I, I think the, the jury is still out on that. For right now, I think she might be a little bit more niche, but there is still a very real chance mm-hmm. that she ends up just being like, oh, this is too good. We might have to nerf this at some point. So, but I don't know. 
not the, the like have you have you done the the, the deadpool play yet i have like, not literally you just like oh my it, pure it's, thanos it's, player over here it's so fucked up like i had someone do it on a wolverine to me and i was just like oh my god yeah like even a wolverine that's the worst one they hit it on a wolverine and i was just like oh what the hell that is so much better than anything i'm doing and that like like it, have you ever have you ever seen someone duplicate their giant deadpool off of a nico have you ever seen someone duplicate an x23 yeah like there's just a bunch of dumb shit this card does that's marvel snap though and like they that is so core to the design of this game where they want those like they want those decks to exist that just have those higher yeah. high rolls, right? Where yes, the actual the statistics of doing that consistently is just so small. I guess that it's not about consistently, but it's just like holy. It's like you can do that shit. in this game. Yeah, it's kind of like when, you when get- you're when you're doing that, it is like like when Destroy is rolling downhill with Nico. It's just like oh, you're dead. You are dead, kiddo. <laughs> like it is, it is something else. Cam, okay, a question that we we pretty much never do this question on the podcast, but I, I mean, I'm asking it uh, in the context of a, a recent listener of ours buying a card and immediately getting hosed. Uh, yeah. What do you think about? Because what do you think about? Like, uh, do you think that people should be buying Nico immediately? Is it is it a must have card? Is it potentially a bit overhyped? You know, I'm I'm not super. I don't into- know. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm gonna take a fucking pass on this one. I I already feel bad enough that like the last person spent ten dollars on their shit like i i i I, this is the worst part of being a content creator is people fucking listen to the shit you say and then base their financial decisions off of it and i refuse to be responsible for this (laughs) this is not financial advice all right i refuse to be responsible for your money if i get one comment like yo i bought this because km said so fuck you (laughs) you bought it because you wanted to don't even try to lay that at my feet i will not have it yeah. I will not have it. I watched the KM video and I bought all these series five cards and now I'm I'm uh I'm out of a house. And now I'm getting evicted. <laughs> I'm getting evicted. <laughs> Yo, that's how they make it feel sometimes in those in those YouTube comments. Oh my god. Um I'll say that it's I don't know. It it definitely looks like a card that has room for growth as more cards come into the game. Um is it just gonna get it, it I could see Nico getting pushed out by a card that just has better math than it. Um, more consistently, like you could just get a better one drop that it sort of operates on that axis that Elsa did, where it just it's just too powerful math wise. And Marvel Snap just is that game when cards exist like Elsa, there's just nothing really you can slot out with them because they yes. just beat everything. So I, I will say, if you're a Deadpool guy, pick up Nico. Mm. Like that 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 seems pretty. What if you're a Thanos guy? Because I think there's a lot of Thanos. Yeah, probably also pick up Nico. Okay. I'm yeah. We, like those are the situations where like if that's what you want to do and you want to just like play the best version of that, there's some there's some compelling numbers behind that one. I think right. quite good. On to the bend and snap section. Uh, what we have left. First one here comes from Mitchell. They say appreciate you guys uh, taking the time to answer my question. This was last week. And they say another question. How do you think a uh, second dinner should handle cards like She-Hulk, uh, Stature, Death, and Miles Morales? She-Hulk and Stature both took minus one nerfs before Mobius released. So could you see a revision or is Mobius acceptable counterplay? I'm guessing they meant reversion. I think so. Okay. So yeah, totally revert them. I don't really care. Like I, I, <sighs> Yeah, I would love to revert them. I think whenever the context changes enough that you can allow reverting nerfs to cards that are not in series four and five. <laughs> oh, yes. Do that anytime. I'm never going to argue against that. Mm. 
I love buffs to free to play cards. Mm. Do that. What do you think about that stature Miles Morales deck? Because it is that Wait, Miles Morales did not take a nerf. Stature did. Yeah, just stature. Stature is she hulk, right? I think he's talking about yeah. in the context of like that deck is not as playable as it used to be. Because that that deck that is, deck is totally unplayable. That deck is the most. <laughs> that is the most mid-range deck that exists. <laughs> One of the yeah, most. You get you get hosed by Loki. You get hosed by Mobius. Don't even bother. Stop it. Yeah. I it, it's not unplayable. It's fine. But it's like, I hope it's good. It's the kind of deck that I want to be good. Really? Right? I was gonna, like, I was about to I, ask I, that if that's like the kind of deck you want to be because that that deck is it is that deck is very mathy to be honest. That deck is like it's so fair. If if number is like competitive, then you can play this deck. If not, <laughs> it's just garbage. <laughs> Yes, that is that is yes. And like I miss it, right? So my my stance on basically any reversion to any previous nerf to a card that is now in series 3 or below is do it. Mm. That is that is my that is my stance. Every single time do it. I'm trying to think of an answer where that's not true. When what possible reversions would I not like? Okay, I'll tell you one that you they should never do. Do not revert Shuri. <laughs> there you go. Do not revert Shuri, but pretty much everything else, I'm with it. I would love to see Arrow reverted, but that's mostly because uh, that card yeah. was fun. Okay, for- Shuri, <laughs> Leader, Silver Surfer, don't do those. All right, fine, don't do those. But like, I actually do want to see Arrow reverted. I'm not even joking. It's just fun. To- like, it was part just of fun. what made don't revert Wave either, but that's just because, like, come on now. But like, yeah, like outside of like four or five cards. If you're like, yeah, we should revert the bishop nerf. I'd be like, yeah, totally, dude. 100%. Mm. All right. Um, the next one comes from Purple Latipus. They say, I haven't played Snap seriously since Zabu or Thanos came out, but I still love watching your podcast every week. Keep up the good work. Love this from my compute. Uh, my commute, not compute. Um, I just want to. Thank you. Yeah, just big 07 to that guy. Appreciate that. Yes, that's, that's thank a very you. Nice I comment. actually, I actually think I remember that name from when I was a magic streamer. So that's yes. like an OG, I think. Yes, that is. Shout out to Perplatypus. <laughs> Perplatypus, OG. All right, let's, let's talk about the best deck. Let's talk about the the Thanos list um, that you you put out that I've been playing. Um, just going to read it out for our audio listeners, which I think will be most of our listeners because I assume I'm looking at this video. I think it's going to be a little bit of technical issues. Anyway. It is a Thanos list. Don't, don't speak that into existence. <laughs> yeah, We're going to get 10,000 views on this on YouTube. All right. Shut up. You, everyone loves when you're streaming from a hostage bunker. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Caught me off guard. Um, Nico Minoru. Uh, oh, God. What should I say? Nico. <laughs> My bad. Immediately. My bad. I'm going to read this out. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Uh, Nico, Elsa, Psylocke, Jeff, Mobius, Iron Lad, Blue Marvel, Devil Dinosaur, Professor X, Vision, Alioth, Thanos. Where do you see this um, sitting right now in the metagame? Is it the best deck? Good. Okay. But is it best? It's the safest one. Uh, It's just like the safest thing you can possibly do because we already know that it looks good. You know, I've talked about how I don't know what the best Loki deck is. Mm-hmm. I am fairly confident this is a very good Thanos list. And if you, uh, one of the best things to do in early metagames is to be like, Okay, no one knows what's good right now, but I know this is good. And so you're going to catch a lot of people off guard who are experimenting. One big weakness this deck does have, though, is Killmonger. Mm -hmm. So if you start seeing that, like, people are prepared for you, 
then you might have to switch it up because Killmonger is unbelievable against this Thanos deck. You Killmonger them on three and they just kind of roll the fuck over because their whole game plan is five on four, five on four, five on four, five on five, Eliath on six. And that just doesn't win games without the stones. Mm-hmm. And so being able to just like Killmonger them is, is insanely important. Killmonger stonks going insanely high for this. And that is good. Like this is what I, when I, I like Thanos is it when we talked about this, like Thanos is a beatable top deck right and that's good and killmonger is currently you know filling that role and so that means we'll get some movement in the meta right because once a list gets out there people are like ah it's time to killmonger right it's time to darkhawk maybe do both at the same time that'll beat the hell out of thanos i can tell you that darkhawk killmonger brutal brutal Mm. horrible matchup and and that is good it's good it means we're moving yeah a question i think would be on a lot of people's uh (laughs) A lot of people might be thinking about it on their tongue, which just sounded weird. Uh, is what would you replace Nico with? If someone hasn't bought Nico, that one drops uh, off. The answer is just another two, then. Yeah. I mean, like, pretty much there's anything, no right? one drop replacement for her. It'd be another two. It'd be uh, Shang-Chi, I think. Mm-hmm. It'd probably be Shang-Chi if you just made me choose. I think I think I'd be replace Nico with Shang-Chi. That could even make the deck better, honestly. <laughs> just having that option. Yeah, take out the cute card, just put in like the consistently good tech card. Um yeah, interesting. Well, so where do you see the metagame going from here? You talked about Killmonger coming in, but you know, if we zoomed out a bit, a meta influx, what kind of decks do you see coming? Do you see coming back in the meta to combat this and compete with the other top decks that currently exist after the nerfs? So Easy counter to Thanos is Darkhawk Killmonger. Easy counter to Darkhawk Killmonger is move mid-range, mm-hmm. right? Like, very easy. Which makes me wonder exactly how long the Darkhawk Killmonger decks can be Darkhawk Killmonger decks. Because Man-Thing is pretty significantly better against move mid-range and also kind of good against Thanos. I, I, I kind of wonder about that. Uh, I actually have been playing, you know, Spectrum Thanos because I wanted to play Armor because of the Killmonger people. Mm -hmm. I wanted to play like uh, armor stuff because of that. Uh, Destroy is a legitimately powerful deck right now. I think it's quite good. Uh, And so there's just a lot of things that are good. But the issue that the Dark that Destroy has right now is the Darkhawk decks. There's a lot of invisible wound Killmonger in them. Your Deadpool kind of dies. It kind of sucks. Deadpool dies at the end of the game. Not fun. Uh, but right now, I think that's sort of where the meta is at, right? Like you start with Thanos and the deck's targeting Thanos. And then it's like, all right, well, we might be at a point where move midrange is good again, because that is a deck that is so good. If you are like a Killmonger, uh, if you're playing like Killmonger stuff and you're like in the business of like Killmongering and shang Chiing people, my God, is move midrange mm-hmm. good against you? Do you feel um do you feel re- reinvigorated with the changes that have occurred in the meta since the since the nerfs and the buffs here? Like does it cuz th- we went through pretty consistent meta there for about 2 to 3 weeks it feels like. Um does the meta feel fresh even though we're seeing the older decks kind of come back in? Like what is your what is your sort of overall opinion now? Nothing in particular. Mm-hmm. I like Marvel Snap. I like playing the game. Yeah. Like even when shit's broken the game is fun. So it's it's kind of hard for me to not have fun playing the game unless I'm just like losing a shitload. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that, that win, as that long win as I'm playing some games and I'm not like Omega tanking. And even if I am Omega tanking, that's not the meta's fault. It's mine. So it's like, yeah, I don't, I, it's almost I'm almost meta agnostic. Mm. OK, all right. Well, I mean, that concludes 
pretty well i'll do an outro before i get there i just want to i just want to get um just get a recap from you on your week how was twitch drops you know it's ending soon right Uh, so nuts like i can't even explain how nuts they are twitch drops like uh, uh, oh my god (laughs) i feel like absolute garbage taking days off during them that's how crazy they are yeah they are absolutely berserk so overall Uh, good experience this time yeah i didn't have to leave during them (laughs) it's great it's phenomenal no i i've really enjoyed twitch drops this time i do always have the worry where like okay like shit man twitch drops are really only good for the first person in the category and i I don't know if they're going to be good for like you know the like other people right and like the reason i say other people is because i never expected to be first person in the category Mm -hmm. i always compete with like dara and dexter who are much bigger streamers than me they're great guys you should check them out uh but you know not over me obviously (laughs) no they're they're great guys and they're great content creators and i stream in the same time slot as them so i never expected to be at the top of the category ever and i was and it was nuts and i like so there is sort of a worry right like the twitch drops are top heavy and first day heavy Mm. right and so i think you know it's uh i wish there was a way to boost viewership more evenly basically Mm. yeah uh, that's that's what i wish because they're like like there's a point there's an inflection point and i think it's probably like around you average 50 viewers where they're not actually helping you mm. and that sucks you're just sitting there waiting for a raid yeah and that like that's that that, i feel like that sucks and i wish i've been trying to do a lot of raids to people in that range uh but i mean some of that has been some of my inability to do that is because i have to help my friends out too right i've been doing a lot of raiding to my friends because this is really important for them as professional streamers right and i guess i just wish there was a way for me to like help more people get eyes on content because there's a lot of great streamers with like 50 something views that i don't think this is helping as much as it's helping me or dexter or dara and i wish it wasn't like that yeah, I think that's content creation in general, though, where it's a bit, uh, it's a bit top heavy. The top kind of eat, well, eats is a strong word to be honest. But uh, you know, the I remember Molt was on here and he was talking about rising tides. And I think when when you look at Twitch drops, the the bingo snapshot word you would take is does is percolate. Does it percolate down? And I think there is a non-zero. It's non-zero amount. It does. It does. It definitely does. I've seen people. Uh, Captain Kerr popped off a little bit, right? There are people who stream after me when most of the people are not like when Dexter and and me and Dara are usually done. Mm-hmm. They, there's been like a lot of ways to grow there. That's been good. And uh, I know it's been good for Lambie, who I think arguably is a bigger streamer than me, actually. <laughs> I know. I know. I know it's been good for a lot of people. And I am happy with that. That's awesome. I love it. Like. But I just wish there was a way for it to be good for everybody in equal amounts. And it just isn't. And that sucks because I I thought going into this that I would be one of those people that it was not good for in equal amounts. And it's been very good for me. But I think a lot of the feedback they're going to get is, yo, Twitch drops are insane. They're so good because you're going to get that feedback from people like me, from people like Jeff, from people like Dara, from people like Dexter, from people like Molt, from people who seriously benefited from this. Mm -hmm. And I guess I'm just wondering, like, if you're a smaller creator, are Twitch drops good for you? 
I really want to know. Like, like that's a serious question because I don't know. Yeah. And are they are they helping you as much as they're helping us? De- definitely not I as guess. much. Like there there's a there's a order of magnitude that the top end um, is receiving where you'll see viewership of like 10x. I mean, we're talking 10x with big numbers too. Yeah, like Dexter will 10x, yeah. right? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where I think it's just with the small, and I'm not a small streamer, but I would assume it's it's. It's still net positive, uh, like a non-zero yeah. benefit, but probably there could be changes in the system that can help it be better distributed. Yeah, we'll yeah. see. I mean, it's still good. Twitch drops from Marvel Snap is a great thing. It's a uh, move. It's we're moving in the right direction, so that that's that's better than not having it. To be honest. Um, anyway. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yes. Anything? Uh, anything you want to close out with for this week, KM? Before I hit us with the outro. Nah, hit the outro, dude. All I'm right. Good. Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy it, yeah, the number one thing you can do is leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps us out so, so, so much. There's a video version of this or what might be just pictures of our faces this week on YouTube at YouTube.com. No, dude, I'm doing the peck dance right now. <laughs> you can't put it to pictures of our faces. It's just for me, for everybody listening. No. I'm not sharing with anybody no. else. YouTube.com slash at the underscore snapshot. Hit that like, subscribe while you're there. Uh, Twitter's at BrendanAPG at CamBestMS. Cam is streaming. Cam, what is your Twitch schedule? I stream in the evenings. And you can usually find me in the Marvel Snap category. <laughs> like, that's what I do, baby. Uh, I take days off randomly, but I'm usually not taking days off, and I will probably be there. Thank you all so much for listening. See you next week.